Coming up on Mayo Clinic Q&A. Like we're seeing everywhere in our society, it's, it's just a completely unprecedented situation. The residents at a nursing home are older, many of whom have chronic diseases. Absolutely. So there's lots of things happening, and this is, as you might imagine, evolving day by day and hour by hour. Can we use technology to help bridge the gap while social distancing from each other? At the end of the day, that doesn't replace physical connection with one's family. Question, what's the most important thing we can do if we have family in a nursing home? Please respect the, the visitor restrictions. The answer next on Mayo Clinic Q&A. I'm Dr. Tom Shives. And I'm Tracy McRae. We are with Mayo Clinic geriatrician, Dr. Brandon Verdorn. You spend a fair amount of time in nursing homes. I do, yeah. So I'm the medical director at a couple of nursing homes and then also have a pretty substantial clinical practice in the nursing homes. What's it like in the nursing homes right now? I, the most that I know is that you're being asked not to visit them. Absolutely. So I, I think like we're seeing everywhere in our society, it's it's just a completely unprecedented sort of situation. And to your point about visitation, that has gotten quickly and progressively uh, more strict over the last couple of weeks. All right. So it's an older population, a lot of whom have chronic diseases. So they've definitely got risk factors for coronavirus. Do you Have you changed any of the things that you do in the nursing home, any regimens that you have changed to try to prevent it? Absolutely. So there's lots of things happening. And this is, as you might imagine, evolving day by day and hour by hour. On the details of the visitation piece, essentially where all the local facilities I know about right now are at is is almost universally um, restricting visitation. So the only exceptions that are getting made for that at the moment are if you are a loved one of a resident of the nursing home who is, you know, unfortunately in their last days of life and you need to visit that person before they pass away that assuming you are not ill with coronavirus and don't have symptoms of that you would be allowed to enter and visit your loved one really beyond that extenuating circumstance uh, no visitors and this is it's important to point out I think this is not a Rochester or a Mayo policy this is in accordance with what's being done nationally guidance from the CDC as well as um, CMS, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. I would think that just like everything else that is uncharted territory, I mean, there must be brainstorming. I mean, what are some of the things that you you and your colleagues are doing as we move forward into this time? Yeah, and so so this is something that if I, if I look at my calendar for the day for the foreseeable future, there's two or three or more coronavirus-related meetings about how do we prepare and what do we do almost every day. And so what are some of the things that we're thinking about? So for instance, in the nursing home, there is a a law that typically outlines that patients who live there long-term are seen every 60 days for what's called a recertification visit. Many times at those visits, it's not that there's any uncontrolled or acute medical issues going on. It's just because the calendar says it's time for them to be seen. So we're starting to think about, for instance, do we really need to walk into that room to see that patient for that visit? Particularly if I'm somebody who's just been in the clinic here seeing other patients or just been at another nursing facility and knowing that this illness can potentially be transmitted even before people are symptomatic, is there a risk of, as healthcare providers, that we you know, bring it from one location to another? So we're starting to, to really try to narrow in what are the times where it's critical for us to physically walk into that room and examine the patient and what can be done with things like telephone communication or even telemedicine visits where you're essentially on 
you know, Skype talking mm-hmm. to a patient or a, a nurse at the facility. Do you wash your hands a lot? Absolutely. I My hands, you can't see it here, but my hands are drier <laughs> than they've ever been because of all the soap and hand sanitizer I've been using. But. Do you wear a mask? So that's a good question. There are situations where we do. Just to give you an example, we just uh, made a decision among kind of our our provider group here in the, the nursing homes, both locally and in the region last afternoon, that for anybody who has traveled anywhere within the past 14 days, not necessarily to one of the high-risk countries, but anybody who's been through an airport or in a group setting, if we set foot in a skilled nursing facility for 14 days after that, we wear a mask at all times. Have you tested anybody and has anybody been positive? Now, you're, we're talking about Rochester in the area. Correct. Yeah. The so, region. so there are several patients, I can't give you an exact number, several patients in nursing homes or other senior living facilities like assisted living that have been tested. None as of this morning I know of that have been positive. I think we're still at three confirmed cases in Olmstead County and none of those have been in these facilities. That and I'm this is of. March 17th. Yes, no. recorded on the 17th. Thank now, you. If you did have someone turn positive, would you just then isolate them in their room and ask them to put a mask on? Yeah, so this is an evolving question. So I think you know, the immediate thing that would happen if somebody developed symptoms while sitting in the nursing home that are consistent with coronavirus is they go into the room by themselves, they have a mask on, the door is closed. Any provider that walks in there is using what's called droplet precautions, which means mask with face shield, gown and gloves, and then they would get tested. Um, Currently, you know, we don't have the capability to actually perform the testing in the facility. The options locally right now are they go to the emergency department or there's the drive-through clinics which are starting to pop up. What we're hoping develops in the coming days is sort of a mobile team that could go around to facilities and test people in place. And then probably what will ultimately happen depending on how this all unfolds and how many people are infected is that if you are a nursing home resident and you have the infection and you're sick, then you'd obviously go to the hospital to be cared for. If you have a mild case, then you could potentially stay at the facility and and facilities are preparing very quickly to try to figure out how do we quarantine those residents? How do we keep them in one wing of the facility? How do we not have staff crossing over caring for you know, patients with and without COVID to sort of keep that illness from spreading within the facility. I know right now everyone is looking for ventilators, trying to amass the ventilators. And uh, do nursing homes typically have ventilators there for when a resident needs one? No. So, so the vast there there is one small exception called LTAX or, or long-term acute care facilities where they that looks sort of like a nursing home where they sometimes have these. The vast majority of nursing homes do not. So, if a patient were sick enough to need respiratory support and going to the hospital was in line with kind of their goals of care, then they would go to the hospital. I recently saw an article that I think it was from the health minister in France suggested that if you got COVID nineteen, you should avoid anti-inflammatory inflammatory medications like NSAIDs and prednisone and take acetaminophen instead. True? Uh, To be determined. So I've read probably some of the same articles that you have. There was some initial thought coming out of China early on in the outbreak about steroids and then the bit coming out from France about NSAIDs within the past day or two. There's a lot of debate in the scientific community about whether that's true. I think, um, you know, out of an abundance of caution, I think if you're at home and you, you know, develop a fever or some aches and pains and you think you might have symptoms consistent with coronavirus, 
if it's me sitting at home, I'll probably take extra strength Tylenol first, right? That's not to say that this is confirmed or you're gonna, you know, you're gonna harm yourself with NSAIDs, but if you've got two choices that are equal, you know, you might as well go with the Tylenol. Uh, we have seen beautiful pictures of people who are outside the windows of their loved ones. Those folks are lucky enough to be on a ground floor with a window. I know not all nursing homes are like that. If you open up the window so that you can be talking to that person, I mean, you've got a screen in between you, which doesn't do any, any bit of good, but those contacts are all that folks have right now. Yeah, and so this is, I mean, it's, this is such a tough balance to strike, right? To try to keep people safe and at the same time, you know, maintain folks social connections and quality of life. I mean, the things that really make us human, right? To comment on the particular open window scenario, you know, with a with an illness that spreads, spreads via droplets of screen, it's obviously not gonna help. But I mean, there are alternatives, right? So Skype, phone visits, but at the end of the day, that doesn't replace physical connection with one's family. And I think as we're seeing in broader society, all of us are just having to band together and and accept a very suboptimal circumstance for a while, which hopefully allows us to all come out on the other end what better do you, for it. You know? What do you want to tell the general population when it comes to nursing homes? What can we do? Yeah, and so I think the, the messages that I would give at this point are, are please respect the the visitor restrictions. And I think most people actually have been overwhelmingly supportive um, of those things. They realize that those are in place to keep their loved ones safe. Uh, the other piece would be be assured that the healthcare providers working in the skilled nursing facilities are doing everything we can to continue taking great care of dear loved one. Things may need to change, as we talked about earlier in this segment, about sort of how we deliver that care, but they're not going to be abandoned. There are going to be people there to take care of them, uh, even though you can't be there to visit and see that unfolding in person. Well, we're glad you're on that team. All right. Mayo Clinic geriatrician, Dr. Brandon Verdoren, thanks so much for the update and yep. good luck in the nursing home. Thank you so much. This edition of Mayo Clinic Q&A uses facts known through March 17, 2020. Newer episodes will contain even more about the virus, its spread, and news about treatments and a vaccine. We hope you'll keep listening. Until next time, thank you for listening and be well. Mayo Clinic Q&A is a production of Mayo Clinic News Network and is available wherever you get and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. To see a list of all Mayo Clinic Q&A podcasts, visit newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org. Then click podcasts. Thanks for listening and be well. We hope you'll offer a review of this and other episodes when the option is available. Comments and questions can also be sent to Mayo Clinic News Network at mayo.edu.